Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. So glad that you are here with us today. Well, I'm excited to tell you men that that is a sample of the curriculum that we're going to be using as we start men's groups. So if you're a guy here today and you would like to get connected with some other guys, get to know them on on a deeper level, get to know what it looks like for you to grow in your relationship with God, maybe in your relationship as a, a father or a husband or a worker or a boss, uh, any number of things. If you'd like to grow as a man, then we've got an opportunity for you to come get connected with some men's groups that we're starting. We actually have an event tonight called GroupLink. And GroupLink is an opportunity for anybody who wants to get connected in one of our community groups to come and find out the groups that we have available. So we're starting men's groups. We have women's groups currently. We'll be adding to those women's groups, and we also have couples groups as well. So I encourage you to put tonight on your calendar, 6 p.m. over at Palm Coast Community Church. Being that we rent this facility on Sundays, Palm Coast Community Church has been so gracious to us to allow us to use their facility for things like that. So tonight, 6 o'clock, Palm Coast Community Church, Tim will come up and tell you more about that during the announcements. Now, today starts week number three of our 21-day fast that we have been doing together. And I just wanted to check in with everybody, see how you're doing. I know week number one was a little bit uh, rough. Usually, that's when we're ready to bite people's heads off because we set aside something in our world and we're going through withdrawals. And I hope that week number two has been a little bit better for you, but if you're new with us, over the past two weeks, many in our church have been doing this biblical practice of fasting. So it's this practice of setting aside something, typically it's food related or can be an activity or behavior related, and we set that aside in order to grow our relationship with God during that time frame. So what I wanted to do just for a few moments is kind of hear from everybody, like, how are you doing? Have you killed anybody? Are you a little bit more like Jesus? Like, what's happening out there? So this is a chance for you to, to shout out loud. It's okay. You can talk. Awesome. That's great. So you're watching God do some cool things and answering some prayers in these 21 days. Awesome. That's great. Got ya. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thanks for your honesty, William. I love that about you. Yeah, I hope this is worth it. Right. Right. So there's some internal learning you've got going on about you and your motives for doing it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I I don't know anybody who walks into a fast and goes, yeah, love it. Yeah, how about 40 days? Let's stretch it out. Let's really get our mileage out of this one. So fasting is, is, is challenging. There's been a few times I've done it, got past the first week, and it's just been great. I felt like I hit a, a, um, I'm not really a runner, but you hear about the runner's high kind of stuff. Um, it's kind of like a faster's high. You get kind of into a really good spot in your relationship with God. You're really sensitive. You feel like you have a clear mind. Last year, three weeks, had none of it. Three weeks, I'm like, 
Lord, there's got to be some, you know, like really good physical thing that happens as I do this. And nope, not this time. So it was a real uh, discipline for me to walk through that. And I think God talks to us as we do that. Like, are you willing to do something that's difficult? Are you willing to hang in there? You know, we're talking 21 days. And we'll be done here in a moment. And then, you know, we'll have many more weeks ahead of us to continue to engage God. So anybody else? God doing anything else in anybody else's world? Cool. I'm sure there's lots of stuff and you're shy. So I just wanted to say to you as a church, I am so thankful to God for you. When I get around you and I talk to more people and hear your story, I hear some amazing things that you're fasting from and you're fasting for. And I'm just always encouraged. You know, those moments where, where you're, you're questioning, you know, like maybe William was talking about this morning, those moments where I'm like, okay, God, like I'm struggling today. Like this is really hard. I start thinking about the rest of you and what you're fasting from and what you're fasting for. And it's an amazing encouragement to me. So thanks to you for engaging this spiritual discipline that's been practiced for thousands of years. I just wanted to say to you, way to go. I'm really proud to be a a part of this church family. Now today we're continuing our series called Not a Fan. And the primary question that we're asking each week in this series is, are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? And if you're new with us, again, like I I've, I've say every week, uh, the, both of those things might sound like they're good. You know, you think about that and think, well, aren't, aren't we supposed to be fans of Jesus? Aren't we supposed to be excited for him? And you think about the follower part, aren't we supposed to be followers of Jesus? But as we've learned so far in this series, they're not the same things. You see, a, a fan of Jesus is an enthusiastic admirer, someone who loves to be close to the action but not too close. Don't don't want to get too close. Don't want to get too involved. Don't want to get too messy or sweaty or dirty or involved in the thing that Jesus is really calling us to do. Fans love the benefits of being around Jesus, but when it comes to the the real hard work, like, no, we'll save that for somebody else. A fan is someone who really likes Jesus, but if they're really honest, they don't want to really be like him. They don't want to do the stuff that Jesus has done. You know, they look at Jesus and go, you know, I I admire his humility. I mean, it's awesome to look at Jesus' humility. But a fan will say, you know what, I'm not so sure I'm willing to do what humility requires of me. We watch Jesus do something like wash the disciples' feet, and we're so excited for Jesus and what he's done. It's so amazing. I mean, it's even kind of cool if he'd wash our feet. But then the thought of us turning and washing somebody else's feet or doing something to serve them in a significant way kind of weirds us out a little bit. Like, I'm not doing that. I mean, who knows where their feet have been? I'm not touching those things. So we're not all that excited to go where Jesus went, to do the stuff that Jesus did. Fans are even really amazed when Jesus laid down his rights for someone else, meaning us. Jesus laid down his rights. We're going to explore that more next week. We love that. But then a fan will fight for their rights all of their lives. I have the right to to do this. I have the right to do this. And you can't take this away from me. We'll fight for their own rights and watch Jesus lay down his rights. So there's a big difference between fans and followers. Now today and for the next two weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look closer at what it means to really follow Jesus. There are some specific things that Jesus said. 
said, listen, if you want to be my follower, here's what I want you to do. If you're not doing these things, and you really need to ask yourself, am I a follower? Am I really a follower, or am I just a fan? So Jesus has some very specific things to say to us over the next few weeks. If you would, grab a Bible and turn over to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And if you need a Bible, there's Bibles at the back of each seating section. I encourage you to grab one of those. If you have a Bible app on your phone, it's really okay to pull it up and use it, okay? So just between like Tetris, just flip over and track what we're doing in the Bible. All right, Matthew chapter 4. In our paperback Bibles, it's found on page 735. All right, now in the Bible, it does not record much about the life of Jesus before his 30th birthday. All right, so in those 30 years, we don't have a lot recorded in the Bible about Jesus' life. We've got some stories of his birth and around that time frame. We've got a story when he was 12 years old. And beyond that, we don't have a lot of stories. It really picks up Jesus' life at the age of 30. And at the age of 30, Jesus began what is known as his public ministry. So like the the reason he came to earth. He started to go around and invite people to follow him and tell them how they could be in a relationship with God the Father. And as he started this ministry, Matthew 4, 17, records that Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So the first thing that Jesus would tell anybody to do and his consistent message for the remainder of his life was repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, I'm just curious, does anybody use the word repent much in their everyday life? Like a few of you? Well, I know that you, you've been a teacher and work with like first graders. So I'm sure that that's like heavy language when you're talking about the first grader, right? Repent! So for most of us, it's not a common thing that we use, not a common word that we use in our culture. Today's dictionaries define repent or repentance as feeling sorry for something that you did wrong. Now, that's a piece of the puzzle, but biblical repentance has much more to it than just that. So Jesus wasn't just going around telling people, hey, you need to feel sorry for the things that you've done wrong. It wasn't his message. He had more to it than that. You know, you can feel sorry for something you've done wrong and still not have truly repented of what's happened in your world. A few years ago, probably 12, 14 years ago, Tammy and I lived in Virginia, and our two oldest kids were with us then, and they were itty-bitty at that time. And we had some friends up there in Virginia that had some kids about the similar age as our kids, and so we'd get together with them every once in a while. And they had taught their kids that they needed to say sorry every time they did something wrong which is a really good thing. I think that should be taught to every kid. I think every adult should say, we're sorry. When we do something wrong, we should own it and take responsibility for it and apologize and make it right. But it was interesting, as we interacted with his family, what we noticed was it didn't seem to mean a whole lot to these kids when they would say that they were sorry. We'd get together, and these kids would say, I'm sorry for the same thing they did that night like 50 times. They would do it over and over and over again, and it seemed like that was their get-out-of-jail-free card. Anytime something would happen, and their kids had done something they shouldn't have done, 
And often it involved my kids where they were like hitting my kids with a hammer on the head or something like that. Uh, it, it, they would just whip out the I'm sorry card and their parents would let them off the hook. There didn't seem to be any connection between uh, their behavior and the consequences that were tied to it. So repentance isn't just about saying I'm sorry. That's a piece of it. It's not just about feeling sorry for something that we've done. Those are pieces of it. But true repentance means that we are deeply grieved for what we've done. Like we're, we're internally moved. Like we're so moved that we're going to do something about it. We're going to make a change. Like we're not going to continue that hurtful behavior It's not just about feeling bad, but there's something else tied to it. So repentance is about turning feelings into action. It's about turning a feeling of sorrow into a behavior. It's it's almost like if you're just walking in one direction, repentance would mean that you turn and you walk in a totally new direction. It's, It's a deeper meaning of repentance. Now, if you're in a relationship with someone who has hurt you, one of the ways that you can measure how repentant they are is by watching their life. If there's behavior change, you know that that person has some genuine repentance there. But if they keep on doing the same thing that they've always done, you can know there's probably not a whole lot of repentance going on there. So here's the difference between fans of Jesus and followers of Jesus. A fan might feel really sorry about something that's happened, but they continue to do it. They continue to hurt other people. They continue to hurt God. Uh, On the other hand, followers stop doing what hurts others. They turn away from that stuff. They turn from it and go, you know, I don't don't want to do that anymore. And behavior change takes time. It's not something that just happens in one moment. So we realize, followers realize, that it may take a thousand times for me to make significant behavior change in that area. I may have to work over and over and over again in that area. But when a follower recognizes they've done something wrong, they say, you know what? I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make this right. I'm willing to repair what I've damaged I'm willing to rebuild. I'm willing to take responsibility. I'm not going to blame everybody else for the choices that I've made. It's my responsibility. I did that. I said that. I'll own that. And I'm going to change that behavior. So in your life, is there anything that you might need to repent of? Is there anything that you might need to say, you know what, God, I'm sorry. Like that thing that I did. That way that I hurt you, I need to change that. I need to, to turn from that. And I need to turn my, my feelings of sorrow into actions and transform how I interact around that specific thing. This is a really cool thing that happens when we do that. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. It says, There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. That's a major statement there. So I don't know how many people there are here in this room, but just imagine like 100 of us are gathered together and one decides to to walk off away from God. And you know, I'm just gonna go do my own thing. So the 99 are still there 
God's heart is broken over the one. And when that one, like we've all been that one, we've all done that. When that one out here by themselves recognizes, I have walked away from God, I have hurt God. When that one turns and walks back, the Bible says that God throws a party in heaven. God's joy overflows into a party, a huge celebration. When one person repents and turns and walks back into a right relationship with God. So is there anything in your life that you might need to repent of? It's what Jesus asked us to do. He said, listen, repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now there's something else that goes hand in hand with repentance. You can't repent and get too far away from this other thing called obedience. Obedience and repentance go together, and they are actually the dividing line between being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. You see, fans know a whole lot about following Jesus. They just don't practice much of it. They've got a lot of information that they just don't put into practice in their own lives. Does anybody here remember the games? I'm sure they're still active today. The games Follow the Leader. Anybody played Follow the Leader? Or Simon Says? So follow the leader. Wherever the leader goes, that's where we go. Whatever the leader does, that's what we do. You know, if the leader hops on one foot, you're supposed to hop on one foot. If the leader goes around a tree, you go around a tree. And then Simon Says, right? If Simon Says, pat your head. Simon Says, pat your head. So yeah, you're supposed to pat your head and then touch your nose. Oh, Simon didn't say touch your nose. Some of you are out. Remember that? That's kind of what it's like to follow Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, we're supposed to go. Whatever Jesus does, we're supposed to do. Whatever Jesus says, we're supposed to follow. We're supposed to obey. So we just watch the leader. And whatever the leader does, we're supposed to just follow. But here's the interesting thing about us is we've changed the rules to that game. We've convinced ourselves that we don't really have to do everything the leader says And we can still kind of follow because we know a lot about following. I mean, we understand the game and we watch it. We get it, you know, I mean, we understand it. You know, when Jesus does what he does, I mean, we get it. Like, yeah, I get that. I don't really have to do that to still be a follower of Jesus. When Jesus tells us to forgive those who hurt us, sometimes we post that on Facebook or we tweet that and then... Somebody retweets it, and we get excited. Somebody likes our post, and we're like, oh, that's cool. A lot of people, you know, think I have a spiritual comment. That's exciting. Or we'll do a Bible study on forgiveness. We'll get a few books on forgiveness and and read those and understand what it means to forgive other people. We'll memorize what Jesus said about forgiveness. We may even wear T-shirts to tell everybody, hey, you're forgiven. We may even advise someone, the greatest thing you can do in your situation is to forgive that person. But then it gets in our situation, it gets in our court, in our scenario, in our hurt, and there are moments that we go, I'm just not gonna follow the leader. I'm just not gonna do what he asked me to do. I understand all the information there is about that, but there are moments we just go, I just don't know if I can do that. It's for somebody else, somebody else can do that, but I don't know if I can My situation is different. Jesus said in John 
14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. So Jesus is asking all of us, listen, if you really love me, if you're a follower of mine, you'll do what I ask you to do. I mean, you, can, you can look at your life and tell whether you love me or not by what you're doing, whether you're actually doing what I've asked you to do. In 1 John 2, 6, it says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Our lives should look like Jesus' life. Reality is, we looked at, I think it was last week, that one day we'll stand before a holy God, we'll look into his eyes, and what God is going to do is he's going to measure us next to Jesus. So Jesus will stand there and we'll stand there, and God is going to, you know the game like in the newspaper, like what's different in the picture? That's what God's going to do. He's going to look at us and he's going to look at Jesus. What's different and what's the same? He's looking for the same stuff. And the Bible says we'll receive rewards based upon how similar we look to Jesus. So in your life, is there anything there that doesn't really look like Jesus? As you look at your life, as you kind of look at Jesus and look at your life, is there anything that's different? You go, you know, I kind of really need to work on that area. There's a specific thing I need to, to do that God is asking me to do. Now, the tricky thing about obedience is that we get confused with it. And we think that our relationship with God is based upon our good behavior. That maybe God loves us more when we're good. But Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So the moment that you and I were disobeying God the most is the moment he sent Jesus to die for us. And sometimes we think that maybe if we're really good, we can earn a relationship with God. You know, sometimes we get this earning thing going on, you know, like, hey, I'll be a, a religious person or I'll go to church a lot or I'll get even active in church. You know, I'll join the prep team or tech team or worship team or work with the kids or work with middle school and high school students, whatever. And, and, and I think maybe God will put a star next to my name in heaven, you know, and I'm getting some really good points with him. Now, if you want stars next to your name, you know, come serve. We'd love to have you serve. I'll put stars next to your name, okay? But when it comes to you and your relationship with God, you don't get stars next to your name because of the stuff you do. We do that stuff because of what God has done for us. That's why we do stuff. Listen to what Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says. God saved you by his, his grace, not your works, not the good things that you do, not the, all the things that you sign up for that, that have a religious nature to them, not because you go to church on Sunday. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So obedience doesn't earn us a relationship with God. Obedience is what we choose because of what God has done for us. Repentance and obedience should be our natural response to God's amazing, amazing grace for us. When I was in the second grade, so about seven years old, something like that, my family lived in Missouri 
And one, um, one of the places that we liked to go during the summer was this water park, which really wasn't a water park. It was like a slide, a really big slide on the side of a highway in the middle of nowhere. So I don't know if anybody's ever been to something like that. You've ever seen something like that in your life? Um, so in the middle of like nowhere is this huge slide that has several slides that go down, water slides, and it ends in a, a really big pool. And uh, there was nothing to do in our area. So during the summer, this was the, the happening place to be. My family enjoyed going there. And uh, on one occasion, we were there with our extended family, some of my cousins, and we were all having a really good time. It had those really thick mats that you would ride down on. And if you ever fell off the mat, you got this really cool fiberglass burn on your arm. You got down the bottom, and you're like, ow, ow, that hurt. You could actually stop. You go around one of the corners, and you could stop yourself. And you could let the water kind of pile up. And you could pile up 10 people behind you. And then you could go down and hit the, the bottom of the pool like a big tidal wave. It was really kind of a cool experience. And I don't ever remember seeing uh, lifeguards there. You know, for some reason, I'm thinking back, like, I don't think there were lifeguards. I think it was just kind of a slide at your own risk kind of a thing. Well, on one occasion, uh, I'd gotten separated from our family. So you hit the bottom of the pool, and then you climb the big hill all the way back up to the top, and then you ride down again. And, and I got at the top one time, and I'm looking around. There's there none of my family around. I'm like, well, I guess I'll just go down. So I grabbed a mat and made my way down. And I, I, when I hit the bottom, I hit the pool and I fell off my mat. I went under the water and my mat slid across the top of the pool. So I swam underneath the water. I couldn't touch. And so I was going to where I could, could touch and get out. Well, where I came up was under a big pile of mats. So all these mats had accumulated in a corner. They were like two or three layers thick, and they had all suctioned themselves nicely to the top of the water. So here, if you can imagine, here's this little seven-year-old trying to pop my head up from this mat. I could not get the mats to move. And so I'm swimming underwater, like freaking out. Uh, like This is it. I, mean, I don't know how long I was there, 30 seconds, a minute. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I'm sure a minute was long. But I'm, I'm underwater, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how do I get my head above the water? I can't figure this thing out. Why can't I find a hole? And I remember thinking, like, this is it. I, I've made it to the second grade. This is my life. <laughs> it's about over. And literally, I, you know, just this little, you know, second grader brain, I'm going, this is all I got left. Is this, this next breath of mine that I have, you know, in my lungs that I'm holding, it's about done, and I'm not going to make it. At that moment, my much older cousin reached under the mats, grabbed me, and pulled me out of the water. And when he got me out of the water, I, you know, gasped for air and, you know, stumbled around, sputtered around with the water that had come in my mouth. And I said, get, you know, get your hands off of me. I was just trying to hold my breath underwater. See how cool I was? No, I didn't say that. I came out of the water. I gasped for air, and I grabbed my cousin as tight as I could hold on to him. And I squeezed with all my might. He'd saved my life in that moment. I mean, I, I'm not sure that I would be here today if it weren't for my cousin in that moment. And the rest of the night, I, like, hung close to my cousin. I was like his little puppy dog. I was like, yeah. wherever he was going, that's where I was going. I just wanted to be by him. I wanted to be by the guy who saved my life. When it comes to following Jesus, re repentance and obedience is about being as close to the guy as we possibly can 
who saved our lives. That we'll do anything and everything he tells us because he literally, literally has saved our lives. That's what obedience and repentance is all about. So I ask you the question again. Are you a follower of Jesus? Or are you a fan of Jesus? Followers of Jesus, they repent of their sins. When they do something wrong, they they recognize it, they own it, they label it as what it is. And then they make some changes. And then they obey. They obey what God has asked of them. I'm going to close in a quick word of prayer and then our worship team is going to come out. And they're going to lead us through a song I'm sure most of you are familiar with, at least parts of it, or at least you've heard the title, Amazing Grace. And as this song is played and as you're singing the song, you're listening to the words, I encourage you, if you have any repentance issues that you need to deal with in your life, if, if you've got any obedience issues you need to deal with, I encourage you to talk to God about those things during this song. And then I encourage you as you leave today to do something about it. Be as close as you possibly can get to the guy who saved your life. Let's pray together. God, I... Lord, always stand in awe of what you have done for us. Lord, I think back to that water slide in Missouri and I think this little second grader I really thought my life was over I'm not sure how whether it was or not but I really felt like in that moment that there wasn't anything that I could do to take my next breath and you had positioned just at the right spot my cousin who saw me in that condition saw me trying to get up to get air and I just couldn't do it and he reached under and saved my life. Lord, the reality is we're all just like that in our lives. We've all done some things that hurt you and hurt other people, even hurt ourselves. And but we've all gotten to a spot like we're trying to come up and get air, but we just can't do it. And so Jesus, you reached in at just the right moment. And you lifted us to new life in Christ. And so, Lord, our response out of that should be that we'll do anything, that we'll repent of the things that we've done wrong and we'll obey. We'll turn our feelings of sorrow into actions. We'll actually change our behavior. We'll live a new way because of what you've done for us. So I just pray for all of us this morning is... As Lord, we reflect on the first thing that Jesus asked all of us to do, repent of our sins and turn to God. So Lord, today if there's things that we need to repent of, I pray that we would. I pray that we wouldn't hide from them. I pray that we wouldn't blame it on anybody else. We'd take responsibility for it and then we would obey you and do whatever you ask us to do regarding that thing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you so much for your great love. And thank you that you have pursued us 
and that you died for us. And thank you that you know us by our names, just like you called out to Peter, God. Uh, You call us out, and it's so great to be able to follow you because you have done so much for us. So thank you, God. Thank you for being our God, and thank you for what we are learning as we continue to look what it means to follow you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You go, may go ahead and be seated. Uh, I just have several announcements for you today. Uh, the first, we want you to check out this. I went to Guatemala last year um, because I was challenged to go. And being challenged, I'm, it was asking God why I shouldn't go. There was all kinds of excuses why I didn't want to go. My biggest fear, and a lot of people know this, is I've never flown, but that's all I thought about. It's all I complained about, it's all I whined about. On top of that is actually being in a country that you don't speak the language, and there's no English spoken there unless you're in a group of people that speak that language. Being quiet and relying on God to take care of your fears, is that's a big, huge leap of faith. Getting all the way to the airport, you know, once I got on the plane, it was fine. I had no anxieties, I never had any, not one time was I ever afraid. What impacted me the most was the way that the group learned how to lean on each other, to rely on each other, to reach out to each other in faith. You're there and you're just like, wow, we're doing all, we're building houses and we're feeding kids and we're doing all these things and we're meeting people. What are you going to do when you get home? What are you going to take out of this? How are you, how are you going to live out loud? One of the things that I learned when I got back was to be available because he wants you to take care of the things that are at home. He wants you to take care of the things that are in your neighborhood, the things in your town, the things in your schools. He wants you to be the face of him here where you're at. When there's somebody in our church or my community or my neighborhood needs help, I want to make myself available to help that person. That's the best thing that I could come up with to be able to continue on what I learned down there in Guatemala is to be able to help. Try it. All right, so this Thursday, January 31st, applications are due. It's the cutoff date. So if you've been thinking about it and you haven't put in that application, it is time. I love Jeff, how honest he was with uh, being afraid of flying and all those things. And you don't have to be afraid as long as you don't sit by Trent, who's like, what was that? You know, but... Go, you'll be all right. He'll hold the bag for you. Not a problem at all. So, uh, but fill out those applications. We're taking two trips to Guatemala and one trip to Costa Rica this summer, and you will not regret it. And so, if God is tugging on your heart to go, you need to go. It'll do a great thing in you, and you also do a great work amongst all of those people as well. And talking about going and doing what God wants us to do as well, part of the, one of the spiritual disciplines that he asks us to do is to give to him of our financial resources. And the reason he asks us to do that is so that we can continue to make a difference right here in our own community as well. And so if you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give at the end of each of the sections. There's a giving box or online at www.theepicchurch.com as well. And then this Saturday night, if you are a middle school student or a high school student, there is a big event that you don't want to miss out on. It is the Silver Ring thing, and uh, this is a great event that's going to be talking about purity and about uh, abstinence for marriage, and so it is a great event to go and understand what God has 
uh, intended for all of us. And so if you're a parent and would love to go to that event as well, you can. There's a parent session at 7 o'clock as well. If you are interested in going, there are tons of uh, brochures at the Connection Center. They want you to pre-register at www.silverringthing.com as well. And then today, if you have uh, pre-registered for starting point or next step, today is the intro meeting right after each service. So five minutes after the service, go ahead and get your kids, come on back, and right on uh, this side of the room, behind those curtains on that side, there's a sign, starting point, next step, intro. Um, We would love for you to come, hear about starting point. It's only going to be about a next step for 15 minutes. Uh, We'll sign you up for a group at that point as well and get you all the information that you need, all the materials that you'll need for those two group environments as well. And then tonight, as Trent said, is group link. So if you're ready to jump into a community group, we would love for you to come. It is going to be at Palm Coast uh, Community Church if you need directions. Ask someone at the Connection Center. It's real easy to find. We're going to be at the second entrance, uh, not the first entrance. There's a smaller parking lot up front. It's the second one. There will be directional signs and everything. It starts at 6 o'clock. It's going to be fun. There's going to be food. Uh, There's going to be people that you know. There's going to be tons of people to help you uh, choose a group. We don't sign you up for a group. You are there to find a group that you would like to be a part of. Again, men's groups, women's groups, and couples groups as well. And so if you would like any more information, see someone at the Connection Center and they'll get you details about that as well. And then if it's your first time checking out Epic, we would love for you to uh, go to the Connection Center, um, ask them the questions that you might have. They have some information that you might want to pick up as well, and we'd love for you to do that as well. Um, Today, before we take off, um, would you say hi to somebody uh, that maybe you've not seen before or that you don't know and talk to them a little bit about the conversation? So, So thank you so much for being here today, and don't forget... Starting point, next step, intro, right after the service, about five minutes. We'll see you there. All right, thanks. Have a great day.